Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Romans chapter 12 and Romans chapter 10. You know, I remember I was in college and I was outside in the parking lot one day and I was talking to a guy and he was conveying to me his woes about just life. And he said, you know, he said, the way that I feel, I feel like I'm underneath. I feel like sort of, he was kind of talking like a victim, you know. He said, I feel like I don't know anybody. I feel like I, you know, unless you have the right people and the right contacts and the right this and that, you'll never be anything in such and such industry. And and uh, you're always left out. You're always on the outside. He was kind of talking like an outsider, like a victim. And uh, as he began to talk and I'm listening to him, you know, my own heart wants to know, do I grab onto those words? You know what I mean? Do I grab onto those words and think, yeah, we are all losers, aren't we? You know, or do I believe something different in my life? And I remember hearing that. He said, unless you have the right family, unless you have the right contacts, unless you have the right people, you'll never really amount to anything. And... Um, that's a modern-day belief. That's not really who you are, it's who you know, right? You ever heard it before? You ever said it before? Yeah. It's not really who you are, it's who you know. So we go about life trying to build up our contacts through, you know, through uh, networking and through, you know, media and social media and, and, uh, and just getting to know people more and more. And the more people you know, the more people you're in contact with and the more, the more valued you are as a person. Because, you know, people look at you as someone that's really special. And I remember one time hearing, uh, you know, that there's, there's a six, there's a factor of six people away, that you're six people away from knowing every person, having contact with every person on earth. There's six people away. And a little while back, there was a study of, from Facebook that said it actually came down to four people. It's four people away. We're, in other words, every person is four people away from knowing every person on the earth. And I remember, you know, thinking about that and thinking, Lord, how, how does this work? And, you know, how, how does society work? I've always been, uh, had a you know, big interest in social things of just how, how society works, you know, and such. And I remember I woke up in the middle of the night some years ago, and I was walking down the hallway, and the, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, no, you're one contact away. You're not four or five contacts away from knowing everybody. You're one contact away. Lord said, I want to remind you, I know every person. And not only do I know them, I know their buttons. I know, I know what buttons to push. I know their heart. I know where they are. I know their strengths. I know their weaknesses. I know what they're going on. And the Lord said, boy, just keep your eyes on me. Get your eyes off of all this other stuff. and Just keep your eyes on me. Now, I'm not saying that I'm against, you know, all that other stuff. I love, you know, getting to know people and social media and all those kind of things. I, just, I love it. I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool. I have some friends, you know, who are really uh, pretty successful in that, I guess, by, you know, what some people would say. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter if in the world's eyes you're successful or not. There's a myth that says that we're victims and, or, and we're disadvantaged and we're underdogs if we really don't have all these contacts or education or experience and all these things. The truth is, is that we have this Father that's in heaven his name is God, the Father, and he's no respecter of persons. And he loves you just as much as he loves the greatest person that you respect. He, he sees your needs and, and wants to help you in your funk and the stuff that you're in the middle of. And you don't even know how to pray. And you say, if I could only pray prayers like that. He doesn't want you to pray prayers like that. 
He just wants you to pray honest prayers. He just wants you to be open to him. And he wants to prove himself as a father. I want us to read these two uh, verses today. We're talking about how to grow in faith. It says out of Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, you can either look at the screens or look on your sheets here. But can we read out loud and read loudly and fill this room with the voice of God's word today? Can we do it? Ready? Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Ready? Read. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Can we say that last part? As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Say it one more time. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Don't think you're, that, you're something above everybody else. God's given everyone this, this stuff. You may say, but God thinks I'm special. And, and that's the truth. You are special. But the way I like to say it is I'm God's favorite just like everybody else. I'm God's favorite, just like everybody else. You know, I, I was ra I'm, ra I'm one of three brothers, and my dad would come and tell me, he'd say, he'd come and put his arm around me and say, hey, don't tell anybody this, but you're my favorite. He'd say that. Little did I know that after a little while, he told all of them that, <laughs> you're my favorite. In fact, when we were uh, ministering at his memorial service some years ago, uh, we all stood up and we said, hey, didn't want to open this up to anybody until today, but he did tell me I was his favorite. Then the next one got up and spoke and said the same thing. The next one said the same thing. But you know that's how Father God is. He makes you feel like you're, his, you're, the, you're the best. You're his favorite. You're the cat's pajamas, man. <laughs> you're on top. You're number one, son and daughter. He loves you. Let's read the second scripture. Romans 10, 17. Read it together. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Say it again. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The central truth that I want to convey here is that God has given everyone faith, but it's up to us to develop and grow in it. God has given everyone faith. If you don't get anything out of it except this, but he wants us, it's up to us to develop and to grow in it. Uh, number one, every believer has been given, you can fill in the blanks here, every believer has been given a measure of faith, a measure of faith. We just read it in Romans chapter 12. It says God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. That word dealt to each one, uh, dealt means just to divide up or to separate into parts. Kind of like, you know, when... when uh, uh, you're dealing cards or somebody's dealing your cards, they're going to go, okay, you get this many, you get this many, you get this many. God's not going to short you on the cards. You know, hey, he got three more than me, I got. No, God's dealt to each one a measure of faith. Every single one of us have faith. Can somebody say, I have faith? Yeah, we all have faith. God's given to each one of us a measure of faith. You know, um, I came from three boys, but I also, you know, was raised and am raising boys. And we went through a time in raising our boys to where they would have to, you know, they would ask, they would come to the dinner table and they would ask, do we have to eat that? But, you know, that's not the story anymore. The, the story is how many do we get to eat? <laughs> Used to be do we have to eat that? Now it's how many do we get to eat? Why? Because they grew up and liked food and they liked the things. Uh, and we give to them each. We say, well, you each get two, you know. We're not saying you get one, you know, you, you're a better son, you've done much more for me than you get three, and uh, you, you're a loser, you get, I don't do that with my kids, right? They're all, I don't care if they've even messed up or done things wrong, I give them all 
uh, what they need. Why? Because I love them. Can I tell you this morning, God is no respecter of persons. God's a fair God. And when he says he's dealt each one of us a measure of faith, he's not holding out on you. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You may be sitting here feeling like God hasn't given me what he's given that person. Sometimes we can see in the church or we can see spiritually, we can see other believers that are prospering. I don't just mean financially, but it could be financially, it could be relationally, it could be, um, you know, with, with, uh, with ideas, with their job, with their business, with notoriety, with things. And we just think God gave them more faith than he gave me. God gave them more. Can I tell you it's not true? It's not true. God dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. He gave it to all of us. In fact, that word a measure is literally the Greek word metron. It's a measurement or a meter. It would be like, you know, a meter from, from here down to your elbow. You know, it's kind of a meter. It's kind of how you measure off. It would be like God saying, God gave each one of you a meter of faith. He gave you a measure of faith. He said, here's yours, here's yours, here's yours, here's yours, here's yours, here's yours. So can I tell you, we have faith in this room today. Every one of you have faith. Every one of us has faith, and God has dealt to each one of us. What, what does that mean? It means we're not trying to get faith. I know that sometimes we're thinking, God, I need faith. God, I need faith. You have faith. It would be like you saying, God, I need arms. No, you have arms, but you just got to use them, right? You have legs. You just got to use them. You have faith. God dealt to each one a measure of faith. We don't have to pray for it. We don't have to ask God for it. We already have it. God gave everyone faith to start with, but then your faith grows according to what you do with it. So if you're not strong in faith, we can't blame it on God or somebody else or your mom or your daddy or where you were raised or, you know, uh, I was born on the bad side of the track, so that's why I don't. No, no, no. God's dealt to each one the measure of faith. You have to first know that you have faith and then you have to use that faith. Some people do with their faith what the guy with the one talent in Matthew chapter 25 did. Remember that where God gave one, one talent, one, two, and one, five. The Bible says each according to his ability. And the guy with the one kind of says, God, I didn't get much. But really he got the same portion as the guy with five because God gave them each according to his ability what he could do with it. Whatever God gave you, you have the ability to increase it and to grow it. But it, it takes us first taking responsibility and not being resentful of the little bit that we may think that we have. When Jesus was feeding the 5,000, what did he do? He said, what do we have? And he said, take it, bring it to me. What's the first thing he did? He said he gave thanks. He gave thanks, and then he blessed it, and then he broke it. Sometimes we take the things God's given us, and instead of thanking him for it, we curse it. God, look at all you've given me. God, look at what you've made me. God, look at this. No, instead we should take the little that God's given us. Because he gives every one of us equal shares. He gives us a measure of faith. We should take it and bless it and say, thank you, God, for where I am right now. You may be far along, you know, long ways down the road and you didn't make some right decisions. And you say, how can I grow in a fast way? Can I tell you, you may not be able to grow as fast as you would if you, if you started and were growing uh, consistently all throughout the years, but you, but everyone gets a gets to start right where they are. You can start right where you are. Every one of us have something to start with. You have faith to start with. Let's not be like that one who had one talent. And what did what did he say? It says he took the one talent and he hid it in a napkin. The master came back to him and he said, "Hey, where's the talent that I gave you?" And he said, "Well, you know, I knew that you were a hard man. I, I'm holding on to it for you, Lord. But God doesn't want you to hold on to your talent." 
He wants you to develop it. And so we all have something to develop. It's up to you what you do with the measure of faith that's been given to you. Number two, everyone must develop the faith God gave them. Fill that in. Everyone must develop the faith that God gave them. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I want you to notice those two words, faith comes. Faith comes. Well, wait a minute. I thought we already were given faith. What does it mean, faith comes? How could faith come if I already have it? Well, it's true that we already have faith, but it's also true that the measure of faith that we have can be increased. The measure of faith that we have can be developed and can be increased. So if we need to walk in more faith, it's not up to saying, God, would you give us faith? He already gave you faith. But he just wants you to use that faith and develop that faith. And we're going to talk about how to do that. God gives you what you need to start, but you're the one who increases it. Many times in the word Jesus would use natural examples to convey spiritual thoughts or spiritual truths. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Satan was tempting Jesus, remember, with bread after he had fasted for 40 days. And Jesus said this word back, man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every Word. Say the word word. Man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I'm not going to go into it now, but I want to remind you that you are not a body. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. Your body is just a tent. In other words, when you die, your body, this physical body is going to go back into the ground. But your spirit is going to go on to be with the Lord, right? So we are not a body. So when he says man shall not live by bread alone, what he's saying is our physical body is sustained by physical food. But our spiritual body, our spiritual self, the real self in us, is sustained by the words, say words, the words of God. Jesus said in John chapter 6 verse 63, the words that I speak to you are spirit. Words are spirit. Words are spirit. We feed our natural body with physical food. Where did our natural body come from? Well, God actually took our, the body and he gathered up the dust, right? And he formed Adam and Eve and then he said, be fruitful and multiply. So really our bodies, from dust we came and from dust we go back into. And what sustains our bodies the best? Whatever's grown from the ground. Because our bodies came from the ground. So the food that's grown from the ground will sustain our bodies the best, right? Where did our spirits come from? When we were born again, where were, did our spirits come from the ground? No, then physical food can't feed our spirits. The only one who can feed our spirits is God and his word. Do you remember that when, when God kneeled down in the book of Genesis and he took this flesh form and he breathed into man himself. He breathed into man the breath of life. And then in 2 Timothy, it says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed. And he goes on and he says, for all the word of God is God-breathed. Can I tell you, the words that we see here, and I'm not going to go you know, much more into it than that, these are alive words. These are living words. This isn't just a history book. When we read it, it would be like we took a, micro, a spiritual microscope and we looked down into these words and they're moving. They're alive. They're active. The Holy Spirit is speaking in them and through them. We have the most powerful weapon, spiritual weapon, sitting in our lap. And we're saying, God, give me power. And he's saying, crack that word open. Get that word in your spirit. 
What feeds our physical body? Physical food. And the more pure physical food you eat, the better health, more healthy you'll be. What feeds our spirit? Spiritual food. What spiritual food? Man shall not live by bread alone, but what? Man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So it's important that we get God's word inside of our hearts and we feed our spirit on God's word. We feed our spirit faith food. Now, I know you might say, faith food? Well, we, ju- we went over it last week in Romans chapter 10, verse 8. He says, and this is the word that we speak. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, the word of faith. He calls it word of faith because that's what words actually do. They produce faith inside of you. When you put God's word, God's pure word, I'm not talking what someone else told you. I'm not talking what you read in a book. I'm talking what you read out of these words. If you'll put his words in your heart, they're faith food. It will produce faith on the inside of you. Just like food, good food will produce energy in your body and you'll feel good, faith food will build up your spirits and you'll be strong. And you may say today, I feel weak physically and someone gives you a good nourishing meal and has you do some stretches and after about a week you're exercising and you go, you know, I just feel like myself again. I'm feeling good again. Can I tell you the same thing with, with the word of God? I can sit here and pray over you and have you experience all the spiritual things and you'll get up but later on in the week you'll, have to, you'll need more of it. You'll need it again. I need you to pray for me again. I need the next person to pray for me again. But can I tell you, God gave sustaining sustaining food to keep our faith strong. And I believe that God's word produces faith when we'll put it inside of our hearts. It's fundamental. It's the difference between preventative medicine and ER medicine. You know, if you're a person that just lives on ER, in other words, hey, I'm good, and then next week you collapse again, you know. No, brother, you need to get some, you, you need to get some a health plan, right. And some people need to get a spiritual health plan. One of the best things you can do is every day pray. You say, I don't, I, don't, I don't even know what to say. Well, pray for five minutes. You can figure out what to say. Just express your heart to God. And then open up your, your Bible. Go Grab a free bookmark outside and start reading the Bible with us. And we just read a chapter a day and, you, and it will feed your spirit. Physically, we wouldn't dare skip a meal. I was talking to someone the other day and they said, oh, man. And I said, what? And they're like, oh, man. I go, what? They go, I think I skipped lunch. And I'm like, are you going to be okay? You'll be, are you going to die, drop dead here right now? But do you know spiritually, you know, we can go for days without spiritually getting into the word. F.F. Bosworth said this, most Christians feed their body three hot meals a day and their spirit one cold snack a week. And they wonder why they're so weak in faith. Let me say it again. Open up your ears and hearts. He said, most Christians feed their body three hot meals a day and their spirits one cold snack a week. And they wonder why they're so weak in faith. See, we need to feed our spirits. Number three, development comes, development comes by feeding and exercising. Feeding and exercising. Feeding and putting into practice what you're feeding on, right? How do you get healthy physically? Well, physically, you can feed yourself. You can just say, well, I just need food to keep me alive. And you can stay alive. But if you don't exercise, what do you get? You get flabby. Anybody know it went quiet in this place? Nobody's looking at you, okay? You're looking up at me. Looking up at me, okay? 
But if you physically, if you're just feeding yourself to stay alive but you're not exercising, you get flabby. Come on, somebody in the house of God say flabby. <laughs> but do you know spiritually that's what happens sometimes too. We want to come in and we want to eat. Oh, that was a good word, brother. That was great. But are you applying the word? Are you exercising the word? Are you doing what God said to do? Well, what can happen? You just get spiritually fat. And sometimes we need to, in fact, all the time, we need to feed and exercise. If you exercise and don't feed yourself properly, you will end up with no energy and weak physically. Spiritually, if you feed on the word, you must put the word into practice. You say, how do I do it? Just feed on it and the opportunity will come, I promise. Probably tomorrow. Probably by the time you walk out, of the, out, out to the parking lot, the opportunity to put your faith in motion will come up, right? Will come up. But in order to step out in faith, you have to be feeding on the word of God. It's not just putting the word of God in practice and, and exercising it. Say, I'm a doer of the word. But if you don't feed on the word, what happens if you exercise and go all out, go all out exercising, but you don't feed yourself the proper nutrition? You get worn out and sometimes you get sick. So it's through proper feeding and proper exercise or putting it into practice. Remember, again, it's up to you what you do with the measure of faith that's been given to you. Everybody's been given a measure. If you don't do anything with your faith, you will have weak faith. Can somebody say weak faith? Come on, say it with a smile today. Weak faith. Yeah. You're going to have weak faith. Nobody wants to have weak faith. Now let me read a few scriptures to you. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 says this, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. I want to show to you that your faith can grow and your faith can be developed. Because some people may just think, well, I'm just, whatever God gave me, that's, you know, either you have faith or you, or you don't. I mean, it's sort of true. It's sort of true in the sense of you're either a believer in the Lord or you're not. But if you've been born again, he's given you a measure of faith. So our faith can grow, he says, because your faith grows exceedingly. It can grow strong or it can grow weak. It can grow developed or it can grow undeveloped. Jesus made some statements about the levels of a person's faith. Just look at this in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 28, he said, If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is uh, thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Oh, you of little faith. He was talking about they had faith, but it was little. Why? Well, I suggest to you it was because they're not feeding it or exercising it. Just like your body. Not feeding it or exercising. Oh, you of little faith. Jesus said to Peter, remember when Peter was walking on the water? And Jesus said, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? He had a level of faith to get out on it, but he didn't have sustaining faith. You know, sometimes we say, well, I have faith. I've stepped out on this, and I've stepped out on that. Yeah, but did you quit after a week? Am I talking to anybody in here? Yeah. I, it's, I'm not talking about faith to step out on the water. I need faith to step out on the water. No, I mean faith to walk on the water. Faith to be on the water tomorrow. Faith to be on the water later on. Faith to step out on what God's saying to do. He says, oh, you have little faith. So he commented on both of those about them having little faith. Then Jesus in Matthew 8, verse 8, the centurion came up to him and he said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Jesus said in verse 10, when he heard it, Jesus marveled. Do you know Jesus would marvel at two different things? He'd marvel at weak faith and strong faith. But he was always looking for faith. And I think he still is always looking for faith. He's looking for someone who will step out 
and believe him and take him at his word. He says, he marveled and he said to those who followed, Assuredly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in all Israel. Notice found. Jesus was looking for it. Jesus tells one man he has great faith, another man that he has weak faith. I want to point out a few more things. In Abraham, in Romans chapter 4, there's two verses, Romans chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. And in verse 19 it says, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Notice, not being weak in faith. Romans points out you can be weak in faith. And then verse 20, it says this. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. So in those two verses, he says you can be weak in faith or you can be strong in faith. You can be, the same person can be weak in faith one day and strong in faith another day. So whose choice is Is it God's choice on the measure of faith that we walk in? No, it's our choice. Is it God's choice if we're healthy or not? No, it's our choice. If you eat right and exercise, you'll be healthy physically. If you eat right and exercise, you'll be healthy spiritually. God gives everyone something to start with. What does this mean, weak faith or strong faith? It means faith is measurable. Faith can grow. We read it in, in 2 Thessalonians 1.3. Exceedingly growing faith. Your faith can grow. Let me give you some more references of uh, measures of faith. Acts chapter 6 verse 5. You have it here. It says that Stephen was full of faith. James 2.5. It says that it mentions the rich faith. James 2.22 speaks of perfect faith. He speaks of perfect faith. First uh, Timothy 1.5, he says that you have sincere faith. Notice these are descriptions of your faith. Everyone has a measure, but they all look different. You say, why is someone walking in the strength of it and someone's walking weak? It's what you do with what God's given you. The discouraging thing about that is what you've done here in the past. And you think, oh, man, I've wasted a lot of time. The encouraging thing is you're hearing this today. And this isn't me speaking it, it's God speaking it out of his word. And he wants you to grow in faith. He wants you to do something with your faith. We all can pick up right here. 1 Timothy 1.5, sincere faith. 1 Timothy, I think it might say second there, but it's 1 Timothy 1.19. It says that it's, you have, this person shipwrecked faith and holding on to faith with a good conscience. 1 John 5.4, it speaks of overcoming faith. Can I tell you, your faith can be stretched by feeding it and exercising it. Your faith can be stretched by feeding it and exercising it. But you have to start where you are. You know, nobody ever climbs a ladder and they put up a ladder against the wall and they climb a ladder starting on the third or fourth rung up. That's called the splits and you'll hurt yourself doing that. But we all climb a ladder one, one step at a time, right? We're all at a place in our faith. We're all at, you might be on the floor. But you have a measure. We all have to start where we are. I think that's probably one of the most hurtful things or difficult things, should I say, in believers' lives is they try to stretch beyond where their faith is now. They try to believe where their faith is now. And can I tell you, just like physically, if someone went into the gym and they see that dude who's been working out for 10 years and he has loaded up barbell and he's... You know, if you went into the gym for the first time and you think, I'm the man. I'm the man. I don't care how much you've, you've done your positive quotes or whatever. If you walk in that day and as soon as the guy leaves, you get underneath that barbell, you're going to hurt yourself. 
And can I tell you, that's what people do about faith too. They try to step out beyond where they are right now. Instead of just saying, God, where am I right now? What are you asking me to exercise right now? What are you asking me to feed upon right now? What are you asking me? Where am I right now? What defeats a lot, again, of well-meaning Christians is that they try to believe beyond their faith. I remember one time I asked the Lord for a million dollars. I did. I, I was sitting in prayer one day. I was, I was like 20 years old or something. I was sitting in prayer and I just said, God, you said whatever I ask. I asked for a million dollars. And I sat there like, where is it? And down on the inside, you know what the scripture popped in my heart? Give us today our daily bread. See, I had, I had $2 faith. <laughs> but I, was, I thought I was trying to act like million dollar faith. But it was hard for me to believe for five bucks. <laughs> we can talk like we have big faith and belief. But when the rubber meets the road, you are where you are. You are where you are. Some people might be believing God for an for a awesome house. And they're like, I'm driving by these big old houses and I, I want that house. Maybe you just need to believe God for a room to rent. Someone, someone may be driving by and you see some Mercedes and you're like, that's what I want. I want a Mercedes. Do you know how much the oil changes are on those things? More than your paycheck. You don't need to be believing God for a Mercedes. You need to be believing God for an Uber ride. Where, what, what I'm saying, I don't say that to shame anybody. I'm just saying wherever you are, that's okay. Somebody is saying, I believe God for a whole family. I see this family. I want a family. I want kids. I want it all together. You might just be need to believe God for a date or a friend. Because what, what happens is if, you, if you're trying to act like this, but your face right here, you're going to date somebody and put so much doggone pressure on them that they're going to go, man, I'm not Jesus. I don't even want to go out with you again. I can't fulfill all your needs because they can't. Sometimes we just need to pray, believe God for a friend, wherever you are. I believe, though, that we should always have our faith out there. Sometimes we believe God to reach the whole city of Memphis. I want to reach Memphis for Jesus. How about your next door neighbor? Oh, I don't want him to think I'm weird. Well, why don't you start right there? He said, love your neighbor as yourself. See, start wherever you are. It's a blessing to you. It'll hurt you if you try to go beyond where you are. More is not always better. A faster car is not always better to the person who's starting. That's why insurance is higher. A bigger gun's not always better for the person who's starting. Remember, just because someone's farther along doesn't mean that God gave them more faith. Everyone has a place that they need to start from. I want to end with this. There's a scripture that is sort of a life scripture. I've, <laughs> I have about a dozen life scriptures, okay? But this is sort of a life scripture that I've quoted so many times to the Lord, and it's in just to my own heart. It's out of Psalm 115. It's not in your notes. Psalm 115, verse 14. And he says, May the Lord give you increase more and more, both you and your children. May the Lord give you increase more and more. You know what more and more means? It means faith to faith, level to level. It wouldn't be a blessing for God to overwhelm me with something that I'm not ready for. It'll be a curse to me. And so I can tell you, I look back in my life, just when I was reflecting back on my own life, I remember as a teenager, I was saying, God, I want to be used by you. God, I really don't have anything to offer. I'm not real talented. I'm not real overwhelmingly, you know, uh, this or that. I, I'm not a standout person that someone would look at and say, "There, that's who. But I just have a heart for you and I just want to love you. And I remember 
I was playing guitar. I could only play like about three chords. And someone came up to me and said, hey, there's a drug and alcohol class that I have. And uh, would you lead worship for it? And I think I was like 12 or 13. And I said, sure. And I, here was my thought. <laughs> Half of them won't even know if the chords are right or not. <laughs> the guys that I walked into, they weren't in recovery, brother. They were in introduction, okay? But I remember I walked in, 12, 13-year-old, and I heard some stories at 12, 13. I came home and told my mom, and she said, you heard what? You know, but, uh, but that's where God started me. And then I remember I started leading worship for junior high group and then high school group. Little by little, you know, went to a men's group and started just saying, God, I have a heart for you. I'm not trying to climb, climb a ladder. I just want to be used by you. And then I uh, was a music minister at a young age, and then I went and was a music director to college. And, uh, and then I went and, I, I went and planted a, a church with, uh, with my brother, and we went for a number of years. And you know what? And people will come and ask, how did you get to do what you did? I just said, it was, I started out like on the first rung, I promise. It was in a drug group. <laughs> You were on drugs? <laughs> no, everyone else was, though. <laughs> and my music may have kept him there. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I just started wherever the Lord put me. And little by little, how did you end up in Memphis, Tennessee, in, in, uh, in ministry starting a church? Not because I had talent or not because I had big faith. It was just because I was available. I was just available to be used by the Lord. I look at my, my life. And I remember praying, God, I want a family one day. I was 20, in my mid-20s, and I was saying, God, I want a family. I don't know what, you know, to do. And I ended up, met, met Tiffany, and then we're, you know, we got married, and then we moved into a little apartment. I think it was like 700 square foot apartment, and we were just happy. Everything was great. You know, people were saying, are you going to get a house? Man, I don't, I don't know. I'm just happy to. But little by little, the Lord would increase things, one level at a time. And it felt like all the faith that I had to stretch out there and believe God for another little place to live that was just big enough for our first kid. You know what I mean? It was all the faith that I had. And that's always usually the way it feels. To you, that little bitty thing is everything you have. That's called stretching and exercising your faith. There's joy in the journey. Let me encourage you this morning, brothers and sisters, just keep growing. Zechariah 4.10 says, don't despise the day of small things. Don't despise the day of these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I'm so excited where our church is. Look around right now. Look at all these empty chairs. Just look at them. Look at all those empty chairs. I'm so happy for those empty chairs. I came from a church at, at, at minimum hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, at every service. And I look at this and I just go, I don't despise these days. I don't look and say, why am I here? No, I, I look here and I say, Lord, thank you. This is where we are as a church. This is where our faith is right now as a church. We want to reach people for Jesus. Amen. Yeah, we want to reach the whole city. I want all 1.4 million people in the metro area to be reached by Jesus. But can I tell you, let's start with our neighbors. Let's start with our neighborhood. Let's start with East High School. We're going to start doing some things at East High School. I just got an email from John. And we're going to start serving and loving and doing. Let's just, wherever the Lord has us, let's just take that step. Amen. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes right now where you are. And I want, to just, I want you to just ask yourself. Don't rush this time. We'll be out of here in the next few minutes here, but what areas do you need to grow in faith in? What areas are you being challenged in? Maybe your faith is, is stale and old. What areas do you need to grow in? Where are you right now? Just take an evaluation. Where are you right now? You may say, well, I've known the Lord for 30 years, but I'm like a little bitty baby. 
And what are you currently praying for? What's currently something that the Lord is challenging you? Maybe it's a word of the Lord. Maybe it's something that God, Philippians 2.13 says, it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Maybe God puts something in your heart and you're just not sure if you should step on it because it takes all the faith you got, but you got it. You got all the faith you need. You have all the faith you need for the next step. Lord, we come before you today. I pray for all of my brothers and sisters. I pray, Lord, that whatever step we are in the journey of faith, that we would grow in our faith, that we would follow your voice, that we wouldn't back down, even if it takes everything that we have. (laughs) We said earlier that we would keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.